Hello, I hope you're ready to join us for a new series today on Search for Truth. Our Bible teacher Brian's called it Show Me the Way, and today he lays the foundation for this seven-part series with One Way and Only One. I think you'll agree that Brian studies and talks about God's Word with great care and spirit-led skill, but then he's been our teacher here for a good many years. In the last series, we thought about God's Word, the Bible being the sword of the Spirit, and how important it is to have a, a firm grasp of its principles, particularly the faith, and to wield it with precision and wisdom. To wield it clumsily might make us like the disciple Peter, who only succeeded in cutting off the ear of Malchus, servant of the high priest. However, our listener responses would indicate we still have your ear intact. So, thanks for listening, and those who write in too. Now, let's hear from Brian on One Way and Only One. Thanks, John. Some time ago, when Thomas Edison was working on a seemingly crazy contraption called a light bulb, it took a team of men 24 hours just to put one together. The story goes that when Edison was finished with that one light bulb, he gave it to a young helper who nervously carried it up the stairs. Step by step, the boy cautiously watched his hands obviously frightened of dropping such a priceless piece of work. You've probably guessed what happened next. The boy dropped the bulb at the top of the stairs. It took the entire team of men 24 more hours to make another bulb. Finally, tired and needing a break, Edison was ready to have his bulb carried up the stairs again. It was then that he gave it to the same young boy who dropped the first one. That was kind. But Edison was someone who also showed great patience. He'd performed 1,100 failed experiments before he invented that first successful light bulb. When it was put to him what a waste of time that must have been, he denied it, simply saying he'd discovered 1,100 ways how not to do it. Then finally he'd discovered the way to do it. Many ways not to do it. One way to do it. That reminds me of how in the first century many aspiring Messiah figures claimed a following, making themselves out to be somebody, promising to deliver the Jews from Roman rule and free the land from its occupying power. We get a sense of this from the advice that the rabbi Gamaliel gave to the Jewish hierarchy when they were considering what they should do with Peter and the apostles in order to quash the new upstart religion of Christianity. We read in Acts chapter 5, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you'll not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. So people like Theodos and Judas of Galilee had claimed to be God's way of delivering the Jewish people from the situation they found themselves in. 
but as Gamaliel pointed out, they were found in time not to be God's intended way of helping the Jewish people at all. Many were found not to be the way before the apostles broadcast the unique truth of Jesus' claim when he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Those words are still challenging because society today has a dislike of anything that's exclusive. Uncomfortable as it may seem, however, truth is exclusive, for something cannot be both true and false at the same time. When Jesus said, I am the way, make no mistake about it, he was making an exclusive claim. By saying he was the way, he was equally saying everything else and everyone else was not the way. Quite clearly, if truth is not exclusive of error, then it ceases to be truth. Jesus Christ claimed to be the way, the way to the Father. That's well enough known. What's less well known is that those who followed him soon came to be described as followers of the way. You can trace this expression in the historical Bible book of Acts. And we're going to see in this series how the description is applied to more than what we might be inclined to consider as just the way of salvation. For it applies just as much to the way of Christian service and worship. It's a way that reflects the Lordship of Christ. For the apostles preached Jesus Christ as Lord. The option of receiving Jesus as Saviour but refusing to acknowledge him as Lord was never on offer. That's why the hugely impressive thing in the early New Testament history of churches of God is their unity. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Of course, when the apostles were still around and speaking with one voice, it makes sense to think of how those in this movement, which was known as the way, kept in step with each other. For the way was just that, the way, not many different ways. On the other hand, why should it, in principle, be any different today, when the New Testament has preserved for us the written form of the actual teaching of the apostles? Ah, you say, but that depends on how you interpret what the New Testament is saying. Well, of course it does. But do you seriously mean to imply there are many correct ways to interpret the New Testament's teaching? Is there not one correct interpretation of each Bible verse? Is God's word to us both yes and no? If you followed me through this far, would you not agree that it's worth taking a fresh look at how closely the Bible supports your own practice of Christianity? Now I know some will say that the Bible book of Acts truly describes what the first Christians did, but will question if we're all duty-bound to do the very same thing as they did. I'd have to say in bringing you these messages that I'm representing the point of view that takes the description of Christianity found in the New Testament as being also a prescription of how God intends we're to practice Christianity until the Lord Jesus returns. I'm convinced of that personally because of how the New Testament often quotes the language of the Old Testament service of God's people or else refers to its principles. God is an unchanging God. It's when we see an underlying pattern in the service of God, one that's Bible-wide, 
it's then we can have confirmation that our interpretation is the correct one because it fits all the pieces together. Visualise with me a jigsaw where each piece is a perfect square. That means there are many ways of fitting them all together. But only one way will allow the overall picture to emerge. When one interpretation allows all the biblical data to fit together such that we see a consistent pattern emerging for serving God in the Old and New Testaments, then we can be sure we're in the will of God. That would be my background reason for showing you the way prescribed in the New Testament for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the conviction that early Christian history, as given in the book of Acts, is more than purely descriptive. It's the understanding that the New Testament's body of teaching defines and specifies the way of Christian service until Christ's return. After all, the apostles' teaching was, of course, originally given to them by the one who could say, I am the way. And those first Christians were those identified in the New Testament history book of Acts as belonging to the way. Check out Acts chapter 9, verse 2, where we read exactly those words, belonging to the way. Then chapter 22 and verse 4 tells us that Saul of Tarsus persecuted some who were of this way to the death. In other words, he was attempting to kill committed Christians, followers of the Christian way. And these are only two of some seven such references in the book of Acts. Priscilla and Aquila were a wife and husband team who got involved in sharing a clear explanation of Christianity to a Bible teacher called Apollos, someone who'd recently arrived at Ephesus. Acts 18, verse 26, says they showed him the way of God more accurately. In the next couple of weeks, we'll try to work out what that involved. But the great thing about Apollos was his humility. He knew a lot, for sure, but he was still prepared to accept that there was more to learn, new things for him to discover that were soundly based upon the word of God. He's a worthy example in that for all of us. Unlike Apollos, however, not everyone then accepted help aimed at pointing them in the direction of the way. Twice we read in Acts chapter 19 of some who became hardened, speaking evil of the way, which led in turn to a disturbance concerning the way. It's a sad testimony upon our fallen human nature that we can react in such a way to the plans that God has for us, plans which are to prosper us. Let's close today with the words of Paul when he said, According to the way which they call a sect, I do serve God. These words are found in Acts 24, verse 14, and obviously are talking about the way of Christian service and worship beyond salvation itself. We are saved to serve, and our chief end is to glorify God. It's our hope and prayer that this series may cause us to have a more exact knowledge about the way. Once again, these are words Paul used, this time a few verses later in Acts chapter 24, where once again they express the fact that originally Christianity was referred to as the way, 
not many optional ways. Well, it's been good to have your company, and I hope you'll join with me again next week and allow me to show you the way. Thanks, Brian. As usual, we've a free transcript booklet available for this series, and you'd find it helpful to send for because it contains all the Bible references which support what Brian said. So if you'd like uh, a booklet or more for group study, just ask for the title, Show Me The Way. And if you have any questions or difficulties, then get in touch as well. If you're using the post, the address is Search For Truth, P.O. Box 111, Lee, spelt L-E-I-G-H, and the postcode is WN71WJ, England. The email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might also be interested to access other programmes and helpful material on our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. So, it's been great to have you with us today. Thanks for your company. Do join us again next week if you can, but until then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers, and me, John. Thanks for listening, and may God richly bless you. I am the